Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. Today, I talk professionalism and collegiality with Leslie Keating, a former senior vice president of supply chain at Frito-Lay, where she oversaw the company's operations for Canada and the United States. Leslie breaks down her career success and how she learned to develop and maintain authentic relationships in her more than 32 years as a leader at PepsiCo. So, Leslie, you, you were head of supply chain for Frito-Lay, a fast-moving consumer packaged goods company. You were also in the top role and supply chain at Advanced Auto Parts. Those two supply chains are so different. What insights have you picked up by looking at those two extremely different supply chains? Yeah, it's a really great question. And um, I have to say, I had a very, very steep learning curve when I first went to Advance because, um, you know, the Frito-Lay warehouse, you turned over the warehouse every two days, um, talking to the team, looking at SKUs, and well, this one turns once every four years, you know, like, what are you talking about? And so, really um, understanding, uh, you know, inventory and positioning and um, understanding the customer uh, profile of what we were providing to uh, in each of the businesses and optimizing that um, was really, really interesting as you think about it because there's some foundational principles that are the same, but to your point, they were very, very different models when you modeled what was optimization of both of those different supply chains. So, um, and I think that's what's fascinating about supply chain, quite frankly, why I'm so excited about it is that, um, you know, it, there's so much opportunity. N not, no two are the same. There's so much opportunity. The principles are the same, but, um, you know, it's exciting to dig in and learn um, different things. And even for me, after 32 years, I learned something different, and that was exciting. Well, you know, Leslie, I've, I don't know how long I've known you, maybe five years, six years, something like that. But one thing I've noticed about you, every time I've been around you, you're very positive, and you communicate clearly. You look me in the eyes, mm -hmm. you, but, but I, I've, see, I've seen you communicate with other people. You're very clear in your communication, but you're also very positive. Mm. Have you always been like that, or did you develop that? Well, interesting you say that, because I think one of your uh, values, professionalism, is something that's really, really important as a leader. Um, I got a couple of really great pieces of advice along my career. And the first was be aware of the shadow you cast as a leader. And so, you know, early in your career, you start off and, you know, you're just Leslie, right? And time goes on and there's a point, there's an inflection point where you realize that you have a significant leadership responsibility. You're touching many, many people and how you land on them every day will be how they respond. And so, um, you know, I firmly believe that the sign of a great leader is not how you perform on the best day and the exciting days, but how you perform on the worst day you have. You know, worst day of your career, how did you respond? How did you show up? How did you communicate with people? How did you land on people? 
um, because there's nothing more important, um, you know, the, the cues that come from leaders. And so I would really encourage students as early as they can in their career to kind of create that inflection point where they think about they're casting a shadow every time they speak, every time they're in a room, every time. And so how do you want people to view you at the end of the day? And so that's kind of been my principle. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that is part of what you see or feel. Yes, absolutely. In our, in our you know, in dialogue. Well, I think it's, it's one thing to know that. It's not easy for people to do that. Correct. So I know a former boss I had at one point, I knew he was losing his job mm. and he knew it. But um, I sent an email out about something we were working on and he responded extremely encouraging and positively to me. And I thought, wow, I can't believe he was able to do that. Mm. You know, but I think you're right. Yeah. How you perform on the worst day yeah. is kind of the baseline. Yeah, you know, when the role I had, um, 22,000 people, billions of bags, many, many transactions, every day is not a great day. You know, things go wrong. Um, and um, as a leader, uh, you know, it's not the fact that something went wrong because things are going to go wrong, even in the best supply chain, in the best organization. It, it's how do you respond in that moment as a leader? And how do you show up for your people? How do you support them, hold them accountable, but support them and um, show up? And so that's been something that, to your point, it's not easy and I think it requires you as a leader to work on it every day. I mean, you have to be aware of it every day. And that's the difference. Leslie, I've noticed that you display collegiality. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's an important value for a leader to hold? And what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I actually think that um, it may be the most important of the four. I mean, they're all very, very important, but it may be the most important. Um, in the role I had, the bottom line is in an organization, and I had the honor to lead a very big organization, but nothing happened because one individual created something. It doesn't happen that way. I mean, in business, in a supply chain, I mean, a supply chain is a connection of interdependencies and trade-offs. You know, for me, um, because of where I rose to in the organization, I'd get questions a lot from uh, people about, well, who was your mentors, right? You had to have some person high up in the organization that was your mentor. And I think people were surprised by my answer that my greatest mentors were my peer mentors, not uh, you know, some senior person in the organization. Certainly I had sponsors uh, as my career went along, but I believe your best mentors are your, are your peers. And so how are you um, asking for feedback, listening to the feedback and doing something with it, I think is very, very important. So this concept of collegiality is so important because um, you don't get things done unless you have others. So to do that, to implement collegiality and to have peer mentors, you've got to develop relationships with your peers. Authentic relationships. Authentic relationships. Yes. Tell me what you mean by authentic relationships. This concept, as I said before, about do you really have the trust in each other? Do you really understand each other? Do you understand each other's strengths and opportunities? Um, are you able to be very candid and transparent with each other? And um, and, you know, I have developed authentic relationships with people that I worked with. And, and still, even as I've left PepsiCo, those people are still the people that I go and have lunch with. 
when I want to bounce things off of them. Um, when I retired, I actually um, put a list that's on my iPad that was uh, the people that inspire. And before I left my retirement, I put all the names of people who I'd worked with that inspired me every day that I wanted to make sure that I maintained connections with in my retirement life. And so they are the people that um, on a regular basis I have lunch with or a cocktail with or um, because, I, they, because I just want to stay connected to them. They, you know, they're, they were that meaningful and I think that much of them in terms of who they are as a person and a leader. Um, and I get a lot of energy from them. And though I'm not working in the organization, I still want that connection. And so I peruse my people that inspire list and figure out who I haven't seen for a while and schedule a lunch appointment. Back when you were uh, maybe vice president of commercialization and supply chain, back in 2004, you had other vice president peers at Frito-Lay that you had to deal with. Yes. And, and so you needed to develop relationships with them. Did you make sure that you were meeting with certain ones on a regular basis? What did you do? Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the work, again, back to the interconnection of running a business like Frito-Lay, um, we were with each other on a regular basis. You know, cross-functionally, we're making plans for new products, innovation, initiatives, different things. And so we were on a regular basis in meetings and connecting. And, um, and I think what was important, I, I always believe it's really important to understand people's um, intent and desire and make sure you really understood what was important to your peers. Um, and you know, you'd find times you'd be in a meeting and the meeting wouldn't go quite as well as you thought it should have gone. And then um, you know, you've got to come out of that meeting sometimes and go to, to a private conversation and say, hey, I, you know, my intent and my impact may not have matched. So help me understand you know, what happened or why'd you say this or why didn't this work or why didn't that work? And I think those kinds of conversations, it's, um, you know, it's, it's work outside of the meeting, if you will, but quite honestly, it's the most important work. I mean, the meeting's one thing, it's, it's the work outside the meeting that is really important. I've found that to be true. Sometimes the Peter principle kicks in and you wind up with a peer that probably shouldn't be there and they're not collegial and they have no desire to be collegial. How do you deal with that kind of a situation? Well, um, I'm a very, um, transparent person and so um, I would be very pretty direct with that person about the fact that we've got to work together um, you know and then sometimes in in the worst case you've got to um, find others to help that person um, you know so you can't um, it's very difficult ever to kind of just write somebody off in business right it, it'd be easy to do that right okay well they're yeah. they're not helpful so I'm going to move on but Unfortunately, you probably need something from them or need to get something done. And so, um, you know, I'd always uh, make the effort there. And if not, then talk to that person about, you know, help me understand how can we get this done? What other way? Right. It may involve engaging other people, et cetera. But um, you know, you've got to uh, you've got to make that effort. And, um, you know, when you're forming relationships like that, of course, you're working together because you're you're running Frito-Lay as vice presidents, and so you obviously need each other for a number of different purposes. So there's one type of interaction where you're interacting with people to get a specific job done, and then there's relationship development. Right. And 
some people will put a little more emphasis on relationship development and mm. some will put uh, less. And they, in other words, some people go to work and they'll work with people and they're very collegial, but that's it. Other people really try to develop relationships. And some relationships form naturally because right. you have common interests. And did you ever go out of your way to develop those relationships outside of just working? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's important at times. What's most important is that you have the right relationship to be able to get the objective done, whatever the mission is of the team. But the people who are on my people that inspire list were people that I had a relationship probably beyond just the day-to-day -day work. You know, you get a lot of energy out of that. I mean, you're spending, for a person like myself in a leadership role, and for you and others, I mean, you're spending the majority of your waking hours it's really important that you enjoy it also, in my opinion. Um, you know, the hardest part of retiring wasn't moving away from the work. It was, quite frankly, moving away from the people. You were responsible for $6 billion in costs. It sounds like that would be unsettling to some degree, <laughs> to have that much responsibility. How, how did you deal with that? Well, I think um, your excellence value is kind of a bit of the foundation of that. And so um, the mantra of excellence actually was, it's interesting, that is your, one of your values, uh, execute with excellence was our supply chain mission and mantra for a good period of time. And execute with, execute with excellence, yes. And it, when you think about that, the challenge as a leader is, well, what does that really mean, right? Well, first you've got to define what excellence is and that definition has got to start externally. Do you really understand what your customer or the business requires from an excellence perspective? Um, and then you've got to set the right benchmarks. You've got to have clear measurement systems. In a business like ours, people had to know every shift, every day, every week, am I green, yellow, or red? Am I hitting the mark or not in what the definition was? Um, and then how do you celebrate and reward people? And so it feels, to your point, it feels like, wow, that's a really big responsibility, but um, I had 22,000 capable people that shared the responsibility with me. And, um, it, you know, an amazing team, a very, very capable team. And I think when people think about um, business, they think about innovation even as a, as a value. I always think about people process and technology and people tend to move towards the technology part of innovation because that's the cool fun interesting part but the reality is that people is the first word I use because if you don't have the right people you don't execute with excellence you don't create innovation you don't and so having the right talent and so um, I just felt an honor to lead that group of people and really what I did every day was made sure I had the right people in the right place uh, what advice would you have for an undergraduate student in the Walton College of Business? Um, the first thing I would say to them is get engaged. Get involved in um, something uh, that is of interest to them, whether it's a supply chain program, whether it's a group, whether it's a whatever is there that's of interest. Get engaged outside of your classes to become connected to students and professors um, and to bring it to life a bit more for you beyond the classroom. 
The second thing I would say is use your resources. And I'm, I have a bit of an advantage because I have a son who's in the this, this school, and so I know the wonderful set of resources that the school has. Use the career services. Use access to what are resources that you have for yourself. And hold yourself to a really high standard about using those resources. And um, because they are tremendous, and um, I think think about I have students sometimes who are worried about their GPA. And you know, my perspective, personal perspective is, I'll take a student with a 3.5 and great internships and leadership experience and demonstration in the community over a 4.0 who hasn't done the other things any day. Um, and so round yourself out in terms of what you're doing at the school. There's certainly opportunities in, in a college like the Walton School, certainly opportunities for rounding yourself out. And take advantage of that. Um, and don't, don't miss a single opportunity. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C Podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.